Welcome to Keeping Score. I'm Rick Haro. Each week we bring you insights from the playmakers, dealmakers, and rule makers in the world of sports. I'll give you my take on some of the items of the week using my 30 years of experience doing deals for teams, leagues, and players in the $750 billion business of sports. Plus, we'll talk with a central figure in the sports world. The views expressed in this podcast are my own and do not represent the views of Reuters. Let's get started. $5 million. That's how much an advertiser is paying CBS for 30 seconds of airtime during Super Bowl 50. And the game's still six months away. It's an 11% jump from the highest price NBC got for ads for the NFL championship game back in February. And just three years ago, when CBS broadcast its last Super Bowl, the top ad sold for $3.8 million, the power of the NFL. And this year's golden anniversary game takes place in the Bay Area for the first time since 1985 at the all-new high-tech Levi's Stadium. Some of us remember the first game in L.A. He's got away. Fox Sports following the NFL's lead. Fox Sports signed a last-minute deal to have YouTube live stream the Bundesliga season opening match between Bayern Munich and Hamburg, which takes place Friday, August 21st. It marks the first time the network has live streamed content on the video sharing site. The agreement was described as a one-game-only deal to help build awareness around Fox's commitment to carry the German Soccer League for the first time this season. The NFL already has an agreement with Yahoo to live stream its first regular season game on October 25. Obviously, look for more of this in the future as all networks and sports leagues probe to maximize profit, visibility, and reach. And could drone racing become the newest spectator sport? RSE Ventures, a venture capital firm co-founded by Miami Dolphins owner Stephen Ross, is providing $1 million to the first round of funding for the Drone Racing League, which will hold its first public race later this year. The league intends to make money through sponsorships, media, and ticket sales. The DRL, which hopes to recreate the success of live video game competitions, is targeting an audience that includes video game players and other technology-oriented people. Ross has been the quintessential entrepreneur, real estate developer, and intense sportsman for years. The Miami Dolphins' purchase gave him a platform to expand his horizon, and the sporting world really has benefited. Now, if Sue and Tannehill can propel the Dolphins, he'll truly be a happy man. Steve Ross will appear on next week's edition of Keeping Score. But for this week, we head to the court, the tennis court. Ken Solomon, the chairman and CEO of the Tennis Channel. First thing I want you to do is, would you please concentrate on my interview? I know you're watching. We've got you're important watching stuff your going on. Now, 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 obviously, that's a key segue into, into life. That app, you've done numbers, you've calculated how many people are watching that as well, and you, you know the business issues there, that's, that's really significant. Well, it's been huge for us, because yeah. it's really three things in one, all in one app. We've got the live tennis, which is, is as if you're, um, you're watching your TV set at home, but able to put it in your pocket. So this is what everybody who already subscribes to Tennis Channel can do. You can now take it mobile, and since our matches are on all the time, that's great. But then you say, well, wait a minute, for... Uh, for a premium experience, I pay a little bit extra. I get to watch the second, sometimes third, fourth, and fifth matches that are going on. In this case, this one's in Birmingham, the other's in Halle. You know, a lot of people say, well, you know, that Vavrenka-Djokovic match was so good, so they just go to the on-demand, and which is really, you know, all that you could hope for. And here's Stan Vavrenka, and, and that fast over the phone, Stan Vavrenka and Novak Djokovic, 
You know, we don't have that much time, so I'm just going to go right into the middle of the match and we'll watch Good, because way. we're not watching the rest of the match. And I do want All to right. tell you, by the way, you are President, Chairman, Tennis Channel. But it's my interview. You've hijacked the agenda already, <laughs> and you're selling your app, and it's a great app. So congratulations, okay? Great. Now, can we start about the Tennis Channel, Absolutely. please? Because it's been basically 10 years. Yeah, hard so to believe. So elevator speech history of the last 10 years. Are you happy with where it's gone? I think we're, we're shocked and in, a, in a great way because 95% of the tennis wasn't on in the United States before Tennis Channel came along. And I think there was a thought that maybe tennis was starting to slow down, and frankly it was. Not because the sport was any less exciting, but because people couldn't see it and so by putting it on support that's on 24 hours a day seven days a week we're doing 7,000 hours of coverage the, the starts in January ends in December and because you can take it with you now yeah, wherever right. you go we've kind of rebuilt this fan base with the sport itself we're in the heyday of the sport with the you know the guys who are all winning Roger Rafa Novak now you know Stan Wawrinka Andy Murray and the women obviously Serena probably the greatest but fighting to be, for sure, the greatest female player of all time, right behind, up there with Steffi Graf and Martina and, uh, and Chrissy. It's a good time. You, you've, you've got to be somewhat neutral, I assume, as you relate to who wins and who doesn't. But wouldn't it be interesting if Serena wins number 21 at Wimbledon and goes for the Grand Slam at the U.S. Open? It's, it's going to be more than interesting. Yeah. It's going to be uh, earth-shattering. Um, she is on a roll. She is focused, she is playing great, she's in incredible shape, and her French is perfect now, as we saw from, you know, she just, she just seems to be doing it all and living life the way she wants to live it. It's so interesting having, for so many years, had a sister yeah. who was so great, and, you know, you look at all the titles that, that, that she won. Well, as far as improving the business, back to where we were yeah. in 2005, the published number is three and a half million homes, and now your major tournament's over 55 or more. Yeah. Uh, the ramp up has been, in many ways, eight steps up and seven and a half back. Yeah. You're the biggest cheerleader for the sport. Are there times where you said, "Are we going to get out of this hole?" You know, the the legacy business obviously, you know, took a while for us to be able to say, "Hey, this is not just another network. This is something that people really want to see." And um, you know, the the ability to have a dedicated platform was all tennis needed. It did take a while to convince people. Thirty-five plus or so million homes on a steady state basis going yeah. to fifty-five is a good base. But now, what we're seeing with the ability to, you know, really with the plate tectonics. I would say, of distribution shifting into mini bundles. We're on connected television with Apple, Roku, and, and, and uh, probably be announcing some other deals very soon. Uh, it's been spreading like wildfire. We think that the technology is actually finally caught up with the sport, and it was very much the technology of the old business uh, that held it back because the scheduling just didn't work for traditional television. Is it important for you to increase the number of avid tennis fans uh, who have a chance of watching you? Uh, is it other people's business? How do you feel about it? Oh no, that's very much our business. You know, if you look at the fan base, yeah. it's it's very broad. It's, you know, it's the only sport where women are uh, as powerful, both as viewers and as players, as men. Um, it's all demographics, all age groups, and it's really very accessible. So it's just about putting it in front of people. We know that we're adding new fans every single week, and when they come back. There's always a great match there. I mean, literally 50% of our air from January 1st to December 31st features a top 10 player doing what they do best. And so 
you get spoiled by seeing the great players all the time here, and that's a great way to build a fan base. The live content is also obviously very important, very compelling. You made yeah. a uh, rights commitment to that as well, obviously. But the, the let's call it the lifestyle programming, yeah. the shoulder programming, is this a tennis network that has lifestyle uh, programming? Is it a lifestyle network that also uh, appeals to the tennis fan? W what are you? The answer is yes. Uh, you, you know, yeah. it, it, they seem to feed each other. We have people who generally feel that they're more players but watch more occasionally. We seem to get them to be able to get excited about following their, the, the pros and vice versa. Um, it's a nice mix. You know, it's the one sport or one of the few sports where people can go watch their favorite player and then literally turn around and go out and play minutes later and and people do and they get excited about it and so it sort of works for the whole family and um you know, we love that mix. It keeps changing a little bit every week. Right. Global transmission, global vertical integration. Uh, challenges beneficial to basically have your clientele, not just in North America, but all over the world? Well, from a production standpoint, it's great. We've certainly got it figured out. I mean, we're doing a top 150 tournaments yeah. in the world, and those all last a week or two. So you start doing the math. That's a lot of content. It's a lot of production. Bob Wiley, who leads our production yeah. team, is a busy guy. He's yeah. on a plane a lot. Um, we have that figured out. Uh, the um, challenge is how to bring more of it to people here in the country and we've done that we've talked about it and it you know I think that this is the sport that's probably the best candidate for a sort of uniform global approach and trying to do what replicate in many ways what we've done here in the United States on an international basis because there isn't a region in the world that doesn't think that tennis is theirs they have players they have pro tournaments everywhere in the world and they have real people who play it's a lifestyle whether you're in Prague whether you're in South America whether you're in Asia um, it's a big deal everywhere. It's sort of number one or two, or usually to some other indigenous sport, and that's just fine. And the Olympics will help continue that international globalization and effort? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's really already there, yeah. and so that's not something that needs more utzing, you know, if you will. That, 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 but it's always great to have the Olympics in those years. The promise of a golden slam, as Andre Agassi and Steffi Graf both did, of having you know, an Olympic medal as well as having won all the majors is, is an extra incentive. Um, if the chairman of the Tennis Channel uses the word Utsing, does it de facto become a word even if it's not a word? <laughs> I have absolutely no say over the nomenclature. <laughs> <laughs> you just run the sport from the business and television perspective, I guess. Players. Um, any, uh, uh, my perception is beauty of, of the sport now is, is uh, uh, Serena, hopefully she wins 50, but yeah. on the men's side, any one of five or six or seven or eight guys can win a tournament yeah. any given day. Is that, sure. a, is that good for the sport? Absolutely. You know, it's great. I mean, you have players like Kena Shikori, right? Yeah. I mean, we, it has been heard in the locker room that a lot of the top four guys think that Kay could be number one. You know, you have really exciting players from different regions all over the world, great young Australians. You have Jack Sock who took a yeah. set off Nadal and people are starting to get pretty excited about. Same thing on the women's side. I mean, you look at Madison Keys and Taylor Towns in the U.S., quite a few actually, uh, young female Americans who are really beginning to break through. Madison, I mean, they, they timed the average ground stroke speed of all players, male or female, in Australia. Madison Keys was number two to Novak Djokovic. This is an amazing young player who took out three or four of the best players in the world. He, and she's being coached by our own Lindsay Davenport, so keep an eye on her. It's a great time, and we get to spend all year long introducing you to their stories. So there's nothing new. When they, when they start breaking through, you know who they are. You also, in your answers, mentioned the word young 
many times yeah. and of course the key I would assume is to make sure you appeal to the to the young diverse demographic yeah. as well yeah well it's interesting you say that because sometimes people think oh is it old is it yeah. lily white right. the truth is tenant our audience is 43 percent Asian Hispanic and African American mm. 43 percent and yet it's the highest income audience of any on television so that's pretty remarkable and it's the only sport that's 50 50 male and female so it's the only sport actually where men watch women compete at the pro level just as much as they watch men and women watch men as much as they watch women so we've got this sort of great opportunity unlike just about any other major yeah. sport I could think of um, Others have tried and are trying, and we cheer them on, but they don't have the kind of parity that we have with tennis. So there's no sport that really has greater diversity, both on an international basis, on a um, balance of the genders, as well as just on a, a, a surprising mix of, um, of ethnic audience. You know, we're, we're number three of all uh, networks on television when it comes to Asian, African-American, Hispanic audiences. Number two for two of them, number three for one, which brings our average to three. Surprising to a lot of people. Surprising to a lot of people. One of the big challenges, it won't be a problem because you don't use the word problem, is from a network scheduling perspective, yeah. it's not like football where it's a clock driven or basketball could go two hours, could go five. Yeah. How do you deal with it? It just it is what it is? Well, no, actually, that's, I, I think if that didn't exist, we wouldn't be here. Because I think you could have fit tennis into the general entertainment or general mm. sports schedules. But because there is no clock, you had to have a dedicated platform. Not knowing when something's going to end or if it's going to be short or long is a wonderful thing for audiences. It's compelling. You don't know, hey, two minutes and it's over one way or the other. You don't know if it's going to be a knockout you know, in an hour and a half or it's going to be a five-hour uh, knockdown drag out and that's the beauty of it for us the magic is by being always on we're just bouncing from action to action to action whether it's split screen on one match whether it's pointing you to the to the app to say hey go over here because there's a, an amazing match going on here and that happens around the clock because those tournaments are yeah. generally happening in three or four different places around the world so we literally can fill the schedule and just keep following the action wherever it is. It, it was a challenge for the first 10 years, now it's the great benefit and I think it's why our ratings are surging. And as a guy who is known as being able to sell ice to Eskimos, uh, are you happy? Of course you are. Would you like a little ice with that drink? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> are, you, are you happy with where corporate world and corporate America are sponsor-wise, both on the network and in tennis generally? Well, it's, it, the good news is the bar was pretty low. Yeah. Um, you know, I think you had a group of endemics. Tennis has always attracted uh, a certain level of sponsorship in the big categories like auto and financial because it wasn't unknown that we had a great audience. It's taken a while for us to show what we now yeah. know, which is that we are number one in terms of income of any network on television, number one in terms of new car buyers, number one in terms of financial services. Um, it's just who our audience is. And so it's taken a little while. We're thrilled now because we're looking at double digit growth year after year in ad sales. Uh, in a market where a lot of networks are kind of going the other way or having to fight for share, we're just having to fight for awareness. And once people find the product, they say, wow, this is really amazing. But for one reason is because the sport schedule can form to any advertiser yeah. scheduling because it's always on. Yeah. Do you wish you were the Golf Channel? And I don't mean it uh, verbatim, but the financial issues that have, have come to them relative to the NBC partnership yeah. are things that, let's say, you're, you're still maybe looking for. So answer the question from that context. 
Well, you know, it's interesting. I mean, there are balances and, gives and, ta and giving and taking and everything. So we really relish being independent. By being independent, we can serve no one but the fans and the sport. Yeah. And that's wonderful. So I know, having been in corporate media for much of my life, that there are trade-offs. So we really like our position. It's allowed us to build a pure channel that's servicing the fan, and I think it's why we're surging now in sort of every different area from digital and distribution to, to ratings and to advertising um, and the growth of the sport itself. Uh, is it nice to have a big corporate partner who can help you along? I suppose it is. Um, but that would be a trade-off, and we're doing just fine. Uh, Golf Channel's done a great job. It's nice for them to have NBC. They've finally gotten a major. We've had four of them, yeah. you know, since 2009. Uh, and we've renewed all of those relationships, and, you know, that's just the start with 150 other tournaments to go. Uh, we've got a lot going on. Golf's got a tough road to hoe. I, don't, I mean, in some ways, and again, it's not against them, but it's going to be hard for them to wrestle rights away from CBS, yeah. right, who can make room for the small amount of, of golf or, you know, in some cases, ABC, but mostly CBS, or to lose the U.S. Open as NBC did to Fox, because um, there's so little of it, right? Yeah. And uh, so we've got this inherent advantage of scheduling that you asked earlier that allows us to really own substantively 95% of the sport. The other 5% went for a billion five. You, you have the inherent advantage, you, of, of uh, diversity, experience, age, but that relates to diversity and experience. You're so, saying I'm old? No, I'm, I'm <laughs> saying you're experienced. When you take a look at it, the Fine Living Network for scripts, your bio, obviously the co-head of uh, DreamWorks uh, SKG Television, uh, uh, must have been interesting with Spielberg, Katzenberg, and, and Geffen together. Yeah. But so all of those experiences prepared you for what you do today like everybody else but, yeah. but how, how did it prepare you well they they all have in their way i mean it was at disney and i learned a lot about brand when i was over there i was at paramount when they were re sort of imagining the television business so uh, you didn't mention fox um, looks like i can't hold a job from this interview yeah. but working for you know rupert murdoch and chase carey and those guys when we really said hey let's build a fourth network let's do that and how did we do it largely by reaching out to the NFL and using the power of sports and using that to drive a completely new model when people said there'd never be a fourth network. Incredible experience, fine living, brand, passionate category, right? Let's just find our fans, let's give them what they want, right? And, and, and just be relentless about the pursuit of quality there. All of those things have really um, just sort of luckily fallen into place to allow us to do something that was pretty tough 10 years ago, to your point, which was to build a network about a sport that had sort of faded a little bit and to help reignite it. And now, you know, the fun begins. Where is the game and Tennis Channel five years from now? Well, I see no limit. We actually talk about this all the time, which is we've already gone so much further and all the indicators are that sort of stand back. We don't know how big this thing's going to get, right? We kind of think that everybody's a fan waiting to happen, that when you see these athletes doing what they do, some people call it boxing without the blood, beautiful men and women who are incredible solo athletes who happen to be sweating and grunting a lot on a tennis court, you know, all year long with their stories, that's really compelling. And so the ability to give somebody that on a consistent daily basis is unmatched in general entertainment or in sports anywhere else on television as far as we can see. Uh, and by having this mobile app that's finally caught up, um, we don't see the end to it yet. It's going to be really fun. We're looking at it saying as m much of the mountain as we've climbed, we haven't even reached base camp. There's a peak up there and we just don't know how high in the clouds it is. And that's not 
pie in the sky. That's for real. We are growing at a pretty rapid clip. When you're up almost 35% year over year after 23 weeks, um, when most networks are down, that's a pretty big jump in one year. And that's over a year that was consistently up over the last several. So uh, I'm not quite sure, but we're excited. I mean, the sport is clearly back and stronger than ever. You can't buy a ticket anywhere in the world. The players' personalities are huge. They're the highest paid athletes in the world. The only where women are sort of as much on the endorsement side paid as men. Look at Maria Sharapova and Serena Williams. So um, hopefully I'll be able to sit here in a couple of years and we'll still be asking that question. Finally, how's your game? Is it better than it was when you started here? It is. At first it took a dip, you know, and then I finally, the biggest question was always, wow, you're, you're the head of tension, you must be good. So I had to play into that. <laughs> so I've gone back and done some work and I have a good time. And uh, I tell you, there's nothing better well, over there. A lot of the commissioners we talk to don't overplay that because it makes it sound like you're not working. But we know you're working. Oh, uh, trust me. We just play at night whenever we can. First thing in the morning. Thank you very much, my friend. Thanks for listening to this edition of Keeping Score. I'm Rick Haro. The producer of the show is Alex Cohen. Audio producer, Adam Wieson. Technical assistance provided by Jamie Weber, Tanner Simpkins, and Carlos Waddick. The executive editor of Reuters Digital, Dan Colarusso.